Lord, it's our desire that we would um, sing the truth of that song. That, in fact, we would just make that decision to follow Jesus, to see Him as glorious and wonderful and beautiful. You've done everything that we need. Everything. Um, Thank You for making the sacrifice, for loving us well, for giving us the desire, then giving us the ability and drawing us to Yourself. You've done everything that we need for salvation, that we may rejoice in that, celebrate that, pursue You as a result. would be a great gift for us this Christmas. Father, thank You for all that You do. Speak into the hearts of every single person here. Draw us to Yourself. Remove that which would distract us and help us to see You as high and lifted up. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So grateful to see you. Have you ever been blindsided? The dictionary defines blindsided as to hit, un- to hit unexpectedly from or as if from the blind side to surprise unpleasantly. That's what it means to be blindsided. But that dictionary definition doesn't really give the emotion of what it feels to be blindsided. Isn't that true? In moments of life where you and I were just going on our merry way and something happens that changes everything. I don't have to, in fact, if right now I took that microphone over there and passed it around to each one of you, I'm sure you could bring the rest of us to tears about moments in life where you were going on your way and something happened that changed all of your life and the emotions and the pain and the suffering were great. Now, in our Christmas series, what we're going to do is we're going to take two weeks to talk about how do we get through moments like that? How do we endure suffering? What is it like to experience the abundant life in Christ in the midst of pain, loss, suffering, and regret? And during the Christmas season, all of us, or many of us, I should say, can remember maybe losing someone, it's heightened. A relationship that dissolved, that's heightened. An opportunity that was missed, that's heightened. You go about your merry day, but and then when you hit the sort of the Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's season, it's, it's heightened. So we're going to talk about getting through with this. Now listen, I'm not unaware that there are many of us, many of us, who are going through that right now. We have, uh, we have people who have lost children, brothers, friends. I'm not unaware of that. And so what I want to do on, in this service and in the next is I want to teach you how to get through those dark times with the light of Christ. That in the difficult moments, in the dark night of the soul, when the suffering is great, when the tears don't stop, when the pain goes on and on, when there are no answers to the questions, when the fears are increased, when the suffering is great, that in all those moments, Christ is sufficient. And He's present. And He's enough. Today, we're going to look... And it's no surprise during this Christmas season at Mary's story. Mary, you know, was blindsided. She was 14 years old. And she was blindsided like y'all were never blindsided, okay? She was 14 years old. Going on her merry way, was about to be uh, married, about a year. Whatever happened, how it goes, is um, you would, uh, in that culture and in that time, you would be sort of uh, engaged to be married. What we call in our culture engaged to be married. And so you would, you know, the parents would set it up and then you would wait a year. And if the the woman was found uh, honorable and faithful and obviously didn't, you know, do anything uh, outside of, you know, the covenant that they had, it was, in fact, it was such a strong covenant that they considered it like being married. And so... Then there would be this long procession. The, the man would come and he'd bring gifts like 
you know, whatever they had, goats, cows, whatever they had. And they would come and they would give the gift uh, to the family of the bride, take the bride home, take her with her. So her life is going exactly the way she expects. Then, God. Ever, have you ever had a moment like that? Then, God showed up. Like, what is that about, right? God just showed up and so sent an angel to her. And so she's a 14 junior high, right? Or is that high school? It's 14 high? It's junior high. Junior, junior high, high school. If it was me, it was probably junior high because I got left back a couple of times, okay? So, it was a bad turn there. All right, so, junior high, high school kid, <clears throat> angel comes and says, Hey, Mary. <laughs> hey, how are you? <clears throat> You're going to have a baby. Yes, you in the back. Um, hi, Mary. Um, exactly how does that happen? Since I've never known a man. She tells him what's obvious. Because you don't need a whole lot of science to know that there's only one way to get pregnant, right? For the most, right? You don't, you don't need to have a whole lot of history. You don't need to be a modern person. People go, oh, the people in the Bible, the reason they believe the miracles is because they didn't have science. No, 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 no. You don't understand. It's one way to get pregnant, right? right? One way to get pregnant back then, one way to get pregnant now. Now we have like all these other different things like in vitro and stuff like that. But still, you need a guy for that, right? Like, I mean, you know, they, they, you know we're not going to get too graphic. I'm just saying, you can't get pregnant by yourself, is what I'm saying. She goes, I, I, I've, never, I've never been with a dude, right? And I hear, I hear that's how you get pregnant. And so, he goes, yeah, what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you're going to conceive a child. Whoa. See, here's the problem with that. The problem is, nobody else is going to believe this story. Would you? Think about that. Your 14-year-old daughter comes home and goes, Mama, Mama, good news and bad news. (laughs) Tell me, sweetie. Good news is, God's going to use me in a powerful way. Bad news is, I'm pregnant. And he made me so. Without the help of any man. You sort, you know, just like whatever we would say, right? Like what, we, what would you say? Like I don't know, right? I know what you would do. You would try to, you would try to put her up as a TV show, uh, right? Right? MTV TV show. <laughs> we make TV shows out of fourteen-year-olds who are pregnant. How cute, right? So that's what we would probably do. But other than that, in this culture, it wouldn't happen. It just wouldn't happen. She would be complete. Listen, to receive this is not good news. This is bad news. Because there's no welfare, there's no social services, there's, no, there's only one way that Mary's going to be able to be provided for, and that she, that's if she marries a husband, has a lot of boys, and then in this agricultural society, what would happen is, is that the boys would be raised, and they would take on, like if the husband died before, the, if the father died before the mother, they would take care of the mother as the mother got on in age. That's the way it would go. Well, she has none of those options. They don't exist for her. Because you know what's going to happen, right? She's going to tell this this story to Joseph. Hey, got good news and bad news. And he's not going to believe it, is he? Nobody is. She's going to be crazy. At best, they'll let her live and she'll have to be a prostitute and have to live the rest of her days out in toil and suffering and die a young, painful death. Or, at worst, she'll be stoned to death right then and there. Never see her 20s. That's what she has looking forward to. This is not great news. By the way, caveat. When serving Christ, sometimes you have to get the derision of men to honor Christ. Sometimes nobody else understands. Sometimes nobody else got the memo. Sometimes when you follow Christ, you follow him without the accompaniment of anyone else. Mary understood that well. So it's at this point that we discover Mary, she's obedient. She says to the angel, she says, let it be to me like you said. Isn't that incredible? Let it be to me like you said. Now, she does this with, you can imagine, tears in her eyes, knowing what the future holds. This is a tough call. And our Bible finds our hero at this story in Luke chapter 1, 
verses 46 through 56. Now, I'm going to read this, but I want you all to stand because we love God's word. We reverence God's word. I'll read, and you just kind of follow along with your eyes. We have the uh, scriptures in your bulletin or on the screen, whichever you prefer. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is God's word. Have a seat. Mary is gone through a blindside moment. She's experienced pain just like you and I. She got surprised just like you and I will get surprised. She is experiencing a moment like she's never experienced before. In this time, the angel says, oh, by the way, you're not alone. Elizabeth is pregnant too. She goes, how can Elizabeth be pregnant? She's way past the time of being able to be pregnant. And the angel, I could just see in that conversation, just the angel just sort of smirking. Because it is just after he told her that she would be pregnant without the use of a man. You think he can make an older woman pregnant as well? Easy. Easy. So she goes to see Elizabeth. Let me just say this. She goes to see Elizabeth. Elizabeth like does like a... She almost prophesies over her. And says, oh my gosh. And God gives her, God gives Elizabeth this sort of supernatural insight. Now, Mary hasn't told anybody she's pregnant. Mary hasn't uh, uh, let anybody know. Elizabeth just here, and God gives her a supernatural, a supernatural insight and says, not only is she pregnant, she's pregnant with the Lord. Wow. So Elizabeth does this incredible prophecy over Mary. It's beautiful. And it's from that point that Mary gets this joy in her heart and sings what we normally call the Magnificat. The Magnificat is found, um, the reason it's called the Magnificat is because the um, Latin translation of um, of this text starts with Magnificat. It's our English word, magnify. Oh, magnify the Lord forever. Have you ever heard that, right? Magnify the Lord. To magnify in this sense is not to make God bigger. God is already titanic. You understand that God's big toe does not fit in the Milky Way galaxy. You understand that God is bigger than you think and he's bigger than you can think. God is enormous, gigantic. There's nobody like him. He's before time began, and when time runs out, he still will be. God is a great God. There is nothing that came before God. All things were made through God. God is a great and holy God. We don't magnify the Lord in the sense that we try to make God bigger. We just get a vision of him that's bigger. Because the truth is, no matter what your thoughts about God is, your thoughts are too small. No matter how big and great you think God is, it's really insulting to God. God is a great God. And greater than you think, and greater than you can think. That's why the song is called the Magnificat. Mary sings, and she says this, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Listen to me. When life, when life goes in a way that you didn't expect, 
when the rug gets pulled out from under you, when the pain is great and the, pe- and the tears won't stop. Listen to me. This is a lesson we learned from Mary that we should not forget. Mary begins by saying, my soul glorifies the Lord. But wait, you don't understand. My mom is in the hospital and doesn't look good. And Mary would say, I know, just give me a second. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God. No, but don't you understand? I lost a loved one. No, listen, listen. My soul, it's overwhelming. Because Mary's joy was not found in the stuff of life. Mary's joy was found in Christ. It was found in the only one who could make sense of her suffering. And and I wonder who I'm talking to here. Isn't it true? That you have suffering that you can't even communicate. You have a pain. Some of us are going through a pain even now that is deeper than they can possibly be able to express. And Mary says, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Why, Mary? Why? Here's why. For, when you see the word for, you go, this is a, this is a why. This is an answer to a statement. For he's been mindful of my humble, of the humble estate of his servant. He's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. I lift up God. I fame God. I celebrate God. I worship God. I honor God because he hasn't forgotten me. He's on, he's looking on me. He's with me. He's not deviated. He loves me. And I tell you, in moments like that, in moments like that, when you realize that God is all that you need because He's all that you have. Haven't you been in moments like that? There's no, there's no talk that can alleviate. There's no prescription that can take away the pain. There's no circumstance that can change what has happened? Mary says, I worship God. I celebrate God. I magnify God. Not because of the painful circumstances that are going around. They are great, but God is greater. My focus is not on my circumstances. My focus is on my Savior. My focus is not on the things that come in my life. My focus is on the One who came to save my life. For he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Listen to me. This is an incredible statement for Mary to make. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Now let me just say, Catholics got this right. For the most part. Um, uh, but Protestants don't get this right, as right as we should. Now, uh, some of you guys are new, and so you go, well, what's Protestants, what's Catholics? Well, Catholics, they're sort of umbrellas by which Christians worship God, right? So you have the Catholic umbrella, and then you have the, like, right, under that Catholic umbrella, you have, like, uh, uh, Greek Orthodox, Russian, uh, Roman Catholic, right? Those are the different types of Catholics, and there's more. But, right, so you have Charismatic Catholic, and you have those guys, Right? And then you have, under the Protestant umbrella, you have like Presbyterians and Baptists and Methodists and Pentecostals. And that's under the, the, the Protestant umbrella. Well, the Catholics, when Mary says, you know, people are going to see me and call me blessed. Protestants don't get this as well, but we need to. Mary is used by God in a way that no one else on earth was ever used. She, you know, we, we talk about receiving Christ and letting Christ live in her heart. Christ lived in her womb before he lived in her heart. It's amazing. An amazing thing. We need to see Mary. Now, the reason that this is such an incredible thing 
is because you've got to understand, right now, you and I are in America, sitting on pretty comfortable seats, listening to an extraordinary communicator. <laughs> You're doing this at the comfort and the temperature is set just so, and we have a history in our culture about Christ and all of that other stuff. Listen to me. Mary's the whore of her town at this point. At least that's the way she's going to be known. Nobody's going to believe this story. She's 14 years old and pregnant. The fact that she could say this is breathtaking. Because everybody's going to be snickering behind her. No one is going to want to play with her baby. When she goes to the playground for the kids to play, the moms are going to go, no, 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 I don't want you to play with him. Come with me, come with me. She is going to be an outcast. No one is going to look at her with honor. No one is going to look at her with reverence. No one is going to look at her and say, godly woman. She will have the scarlet letter till she dies. And Mary, with the faith that God has given her, says, no, wait, wait, wait. What's going on here is bigger than what people's opinions are of me. What's going on here is even bigger than my community, than my town, than my projects, than my... It's bigger than that. Not only are the people in my house going to call me blessed, even though right now they, they might have a totally different word that they'd call me. Not only the people in my community are going to call me blessed, even though now the whispers are, getting, are going to be getting to her soon. The generations. For as long as the story of God is told, we will remember that there was a little girl who was impregnated by God and believed God for impossible things. Listen to me. We can learn something from this. Because there are those of you here who might not be impregnated in this way, but can be impregnated by the Spirit of God to obey Him in very difficult circumstances, to follow Him in excruciating times, to endure with your eyes on Christ. And that Spirit says, I'll be with you like I was with Mary. I'll walk with you like I walked with Mary. I'll encourage you like I encouraged Mary, even when no one else will. I will. Mary says the impossible. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. And then she tells us who God is. She says, holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. Listen to me. Just listen to me. Whenever you and I go through difficult times, whenever we go through suffering, whenever we experience loss that we can't even communicate, when those things happen, Satan wants us to focus on one thing. God wants us to focus on something else. I'm going to ask you to use your imaginations right now, and I'm going to ask you to imagine that there was a microscope right here. A microscope to make things larger so that you could see things that you can't see with your naked eye. It can inflate them and make them bigger than they are. That's the microscope. And on this side of the stage, I want you to think of a telescope. A telescope that is powerful enough to count the rings of Saturn, to see the craters on the moon. A telescope that's incredibly powerful. When you and I go through suffering, if we're going to go through suffering the way Mary went through suffering, we are going to have to, we're going to have to fight against the satanic temptation to go to the microscope rather than look at the godly desire to look at the circumstances through a telescope. Let me tell you what I mean by that. When you and I go through difficult circumstances, when the pain is great, when the tears don't stop, when you're overwhelmed and you don't know what to do, here's what Satan does. He says, I want you to focus really deeply on that pain. 
I want you to focus on the circumstances, the thing that led up to it. I want you to focus on what you could have done differently, on what you should have done better. I want you to focus on what could have happened differently. I want you, I want you to be so focused that this thing in your life, I want you to inflate it and inflate it and inflate it until it consumes your life. That's what Satan would have you do. He would have you look at the microscope. Why me? Why now? Why this? Why? And he has you look at the microscope and focusing on that one pain, ignoring all of God's mercies, ignoring all of God's goodness, ignoring all of the things. Listen to me. That's what Satan wants. He wants you to focus in on the suffering. God says, I don't want you to look at the microscope. He says, I want you to look at the telescope. I want you to see that I am bigger no matter how difficult the circumstance that you're going through. No matter how hard it is. That God is great and He was faithful before and is faithful now and will be faithful again because He is God. And for as long as we look at the microscope, we can't see God. We can only see our pain. We can only see our suffering. We can only see what's going on. But when we look, when God, when we hear God say, I lift up my eyes to the hills for whence cometh my strength. My help comes from the Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will neither slumber nor sleep. We serve a God that was, listen, that is with us even now during the great suffering, during the great rejection, during the great loss, during the great pain in our lives. And he says, I want you to look at the telescope. I want you to see. Listen, I don't want I don't want you to I don't want you to tell your pain how small your God is. Listen to me. I want you to be reminded how small your pain is in comparison to the great God that rules and reigns and strength. Listen, listen. No shame is greater than God's cleansing. No loss is greater than His presence. No pain is greater than His strengthening. No pit so deep that he is not deeper still. In fact, I dare say that it's in those times of woe and difficulty and suffering and heartache that God is really seen as God. Because let me tell you something. You'll never know. Trust me. Listen, I wasn't born yesterday. I could tell you some stories. You'll never know that God is all that you need until He's all that you have. You'll never know. Never. And it's in those painful moments that God shows Himself strong. And here's what God would teach us. And this is the lesson for today. You know, right? I only teach one lesson for every service. We have one thing that we have to come away with. And this is it. This is the lesson. That in moments of life when you cannot trace His hand, you can trust His heart. That in moments of life, when you cannot follow what God is doing, you can trust that He loves you and will guide you through. That when you cannot trace His hand, you can trust His heart. Let's say that together three times. When you cannot trace His hand, you can trust His heart. Say it two more times. When you cannot trace His hand, you can trust His heart. Let's tell it to each other. When you cannot trace His hand, you can trust His heart. Listen to me. When the circumstances don't make sense, when the pain is great, when the tears won't stop flowing, when the pain is overwhelming, when the suffering won't stop, when you don't understand what God is doing, when you cannot trace His hand, you can trust His heart. He's with you. He's for you. He'll deliver you. Mary knew this. And she demonstrated it. You notice... 
there's something here that I want to point out in this text. There are no commands. There's just an example. Mary's not giving anybody any commands. She's just living, a, living her life. That's all that's happening here. Sometimes, God knows, we don't need any more direction. Sometimes all we need is an example. Sometimes we need to see somebody with circumstances that seem more outrageous or more, more I mean, not, who could here say, 14, pregnant by the Holy Spirit, life utterly changed. No one could say that. That's a circumstance that no one, none of us could ever imagine. And yet, Mary's response is one of worship. Because God is a great God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns in heaven above with wisdom, with power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Mary worships God, experiences love, tells Him of His greatness. Then she reminds herself of what God has already done. I love this. Do you see this? He has, in verse 51. He has, in verse 52. He has, in verse 53. Listen to me. When your present circumstances are so difficult that you don't know, you need to tell you what He has. When you go, when you don't know what He is doing, you need to be reminded of what He has done. When circumstances are overwhelming and you go, I don't know what's going on now, you need to be able to tell yourself, but I remember what He did back then. Because we know that God is a great God and an awesome God. And we can retrieve back from the circumstances of life and say, He has. He has. Say that with me. He has. He has been great in our life. He has been a mighty strength. He has been with us in time of suffering. Say it with me again. He has. He has been with us in times of suffering. And He will continue to be with us in times of suffering again. Say it with me again. He has. He has. He has not left us alone and will refuse to leave us alone right now because He's a great God. Say He has again. He has. He has been for us and will not be against us because He has been a great God. He has. Let us never forget that He has. He has performed mighty deeds with His arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost way. He has brought down rulers and their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped. He has. Have you forgotten? Did you lose your way? Did you not remember? He has helped. And He will even now. Have you forgotten of His strength? He has been strong. And He will be strong again in your life. Did you forget? Oh, beloved, God brought you here past the snowstorm and through the ice to let you know that the warmth of His love has not faded. That no matter how great the storm is in your life, He breaks through. He powers in. He makes a way where there is no way. Here Mary experiences. And Mary knows what you and I need to be reminded of. He has helped. Your marriage is not so far gone that He cannot help because He has Your grief is not so great that He cannot serve because He has and He will. Your weakness is not so weak that His strength, because He has been strong. He has helped His servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as He promised our ancestors. Mary comforts herself with God's promises and we should as well. I haven't spoken about this publicly, but I was just talking to my sister and um, my, my mother who was doing fantastic. I mean, fantastic. I, it reminded me of my mother in the 80s. Don't you ever... Those of you who have sick parents... 
um, you, you'll, you'll, you'll get what I'm saying. Some of you won't understand. You're too young and you'll, you'll have to wait for this. But there's a point where your parents get sick and then sicker and then sicker and then sicker, where you just kind of wish that they were the sick that they were two years ago because the sick that they're at now is overwhelming. And then they get sicker two years later and you just go, I wish that they were the sick that they were two years ago because this is even worse than that. For the last 35 years, I was praying, 35 years, since I was five years old, praying, oh man, I wish my mom was better. And just degraded slowly. Hospital visits after hospital visits. And then she took a turn, she got better. And I mean, I got the guitar out. And we would sing her Spanish uh, hymns. I just, I just, I sing it with my mom and we sound like crazy people. But it's wonderful. And so I was able to get the guitar out and play it with her. And, 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 and you know, the, the, uh, some of you might know the songs. Uh, uh, gozo en mi alma, gozo en mi alma, gozo en mi alma, gozo en mi alma. Gozo en mi alma y en mi ser. Yeah, right? That's the part where I, I fade out and my mom sings really loud, you know? And so I sing that. And then she just went bad really fast. And so there, she's in the doctors and she's sleeping like 20, 22 hours a day. And I was having a conversation with my sister and she said, you know, well, what are, our, what are our plans here? We don't want to live in a, uh, in a world that's not true. And I don't know where this is going to go. But in those moments of life, when you have to start thinking of planning your mom's funeral, God's promises strengthen God's promises encourage to the point where you could sing even as you're making the plans. Yo tengo gozo en mi alma. Have a joy in my soul. Not because of the circumstances. I'm not obeying what Satan's saying. Look at your circumstances. Look at your circumstances. Aren't these horrible? Aren't these terrible? Aren't they? Because I've said, I'm not going to look at the microscope. My life is but a vapor. There's going to be heaven to look forward to. And God's promises are longer than my years on this earth. I get to look at the telescope and look at God's greatness. And know that no pain that I've gone through is He not greater still. We can trust God with our present and with our future because of what He did for our past. There was one who would come from heaven to earth to live the life that you did not live and to die the death that you deserve to die. This one came from heaven to earth to deal with pasts. And as he dealt with those pasts, we can trust him for our future. Listen to me. There is a grief reliever, a shame taker, a pain destroyer. There is a suffering eradicator. There is a King of kings and the Lord of lords who says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Put every day of eternity in your mind, comprehend it, and then add another eternity on top of that. And you still haven't gone close to how long I promise to stay with you. I am going to be with you forever. Nothing will ever change that. Listen to me. So how do we survive Christmas? Listen to me. 
We survive Christmas by seeing Jesus as high and lifted up and remembering that in times of suffering, even though we cannot trace his hand, we can trust his heart. You're going to see a video. Uh, See, Mary's little boy didn't remain a baby, did he? Mary's little boy was was raised up and given a beating like you and I can't imagine. And then died a miserable death. And Mary had to experience that too. And so you go, "Ah, listen to me. You go, but but I've lost someone I love. The Father in heaven says, me too. But we were really close. They were family. And he says, me too. But I loved him. He was my kid. And the Father says, me too. There's no grief that you can go through that God in heaven cannot accompany you in that grief. But he does one better. He accompanies you and then he says, there will be one day where the heavens open up and the trumpets sound and the one who's coming back, who came the first time will come again. How are you sure that he's going to come again? It's been 2,000 years. Because he came the first time. And that assures us that he'll come again. So we're going to watch this video and then I'm going to I'm going to lead us, and we'll pray, and we'll leave our suffering at his feet. Will you do that with me? Oh, yes.
the nations did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb and the sleeping child you're holding is the great with you, God is for you. Because when you can't, and listen to me, there are times where your questions why will not be answered on this side of eternity. There will be moments where your questions why will go unanswered. Listen to me. And in those moments, when you cannot trace His hand, you can trust his heart. For those of you here who don't know, don't know Christ. Your life is not submitted to Him. He's not Lord and Savior and King and God. I have, I have no encouraging words for you. If there is not one who experienced your pain and your suffering and then said, I will create a future that's better than your past, I have no idea how to encourage you. If this world is all you have, then you have no comfort. If this world is all there is for you, then this is as good as it gets. Do the best you can. Turn to Christ. You go, I don't even know how to do that. It's, it's fine. Listen, listen. Simply go to Jesus and say, Hey, Jesus, this is the truth about me. I'm a sinner. I want my own way. And I can think of 15 different things that I've done that I know are wrong. Things that I feel ashamed about. Things that I don't like to think about. And I just want you to, I just want you to just, I just want you to take this. Would you just, on the cross that we just saw, would you just, Would you take that shame and that punishment and that guilt and that regret? Would you just take it on yourself? And would you trade me? I'll trade you all of my sin, all of my guilt, all of my shame, all of my hurt, all of it. I'll give it to you. But would you give me your righteousness and everlasting life and relationship with you and 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 intimacy? that I can't fairly put into words. Would you do that for me? You know, he's never said no to that request. Ever. And you go, but oh, but, but you don't understand, you know, my sin, and I'm still... Listen, 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 listen. You're probably in the wrong church to bring up that excuse. We have people... We have people here... And listen, I've yet to meet the person who's out to me. I'm the grimiest person in the room. If I can be saved, any, anyone, everyone has hope. Because he's good. And he's merciful. And he saves. Listen to me. Even if you don't believe that Christ is Lord, even if you don't believe He's King and God and all, and He can take away your shame and take away your guilt, don't you wish that were true? Don't you wish that there was someone who takes away your guilt and your shame and your condemnation? Don't you wish that were true? I have good news. It's true. It's true. He's true. He's good. And He loves you. He brought you here 
And he told me to tell you. Because he doesn't want you to leave without knowing that you're loved. No matter what suffering we go through, because he died for our sins, rose again for our salvation, and is creating a place for us in heaven, even when we can't trace his hand, we can trust his heart. Pray with me. Father, you are good. You know what it's like to lose a loved one. You know what it's like to endure loss. You know what it's like to save. You know what it's like to be alongside even the most difficult suffering because you went through the most difficult suffering. I thank you for your plan of salvation and sending Christ Jesus to the cross. I thank you for being able to endure the loss of seeing your son die for a wicked people that do not deserve such a mercy. Lord, as we leave here, would you remind us that this message is too good to keep to ourselves. That as we continue this series, Surviving Christmas, we would invite others to experience some of the healing that only you have to give. Help us, dear God, to honor you, even in the midst of our suffering. Because we need you, even now. Be with us. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll see you next week. Part two. Bring a friend.